We know that how you think matters in your leadership, but when you lead, you don't want to just get stuck in your head, especially when you're communicating. You also want to communicate from the heart. I'm going to talk about why the heart matters in your leadership and share with you a talk I did called Heart Overhead. Hey, it's great to have you back for another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, where we're incredibly passionate about helping you become a leader that people love to follow. If you're new with us, I want to tell you kind of our strategy. What we do is we release a new podcast teaching on the first Thursday of every month. We also have something that I think will be really helpful to you, and you can use this with your team. We have a leader guide that has detailed notes and application questions. You can go to life.church slash leadership podcast. Tell us your email, and then we'll send you the leader guide with the release of each new episode. I also want to tell you thank you. I see so many of you posting on social media and inviting others to be a part of our leadership community. If we see you and you tag me, we might repost you. And I just want to say, hey, thank you for spreading the word because we know that leadership matters so much. Hey, before we dive into new content, I want to tell you about a very special leadership event that takes place this year on August 5th and 6th. It's called the Global Leadership Summit which is honestly probably the biggest leadership event on the planet. It's broadcast to hundreds of sites around the U.S. live on August the 5th and 6th, and then hundreds and hundreds of sites around the world in 61 different languages uh, all throughout the year. This year, we have some very powerful speakers. I'll be doing the opening talk. We have Malcolm Gladwell coming, Dr. Henry Cloud, Juliet Funt, Jerry Lorenzo, Jamie Kerm Lima, and amongst many others. If you'd like to be a part of this event on August the 5th and 6th, uh, I wanna give you a code for a special discount for the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast family. Go to globalleadership.org and just type in the code CGLP21, Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast 21, CGLP21 for a discount to come to the Global Leadership Summit. Now, what I wanna do today is show you a talk that I actually did a few years ago at the Global Leadership Summit. I pray it not only empowers you to think differently, but it also empowers you to share differently because we don't just lead from the head, we also lead from the heart. Do you think it would be a mistake for me to tell you that I'm a little bit nervous about doing this talk? Some people say, do you still get nervous? And the answer unfortunately is, yes, I do. You'd think after all these years, the nerves would go away. It is much better, honestly. Um, in the early years, when I first started to uh, preach, my wife Amy will tell you, I used to get these big blotches on my face when I was delivering. That was the good news. The bad news is I was always vomit in a bucket right before going out to preach. I don't do that anymore. I've grown so much in my ability to communicate. Now I just throw up in my mouth, I swallow it, <laughs> and we're good to go. It's clean, no problems, nobody gets hurt. I carry Tic Tacs and we're ready. <laughs> Do any of you recognize that speaking publicly can be intimidating? All of our sites, all of our sites, all of our sites. Here's a little trick for you I learned from my pastor. Whenever you forget what you're gonna say next, you simply repeat the last thing that you said and you walk slowly back to your notes. You just repeat the last thing that you said and you walk slowly back to your notes. (laughs) 
I am a bit nervous. The reason is because I really, really, really care about you. I wanna do a good job. I wanna help you grow in your leadership. And honestly, if I can be really transparent, I kinda want you to like me. I hate it when people hate me. It's no fun and that's a little bit why I'm nervous. Is it a mistake for me to tell you that I'm a little bit nervous? Possibly, but probably not. What I could do on the other hand is fake it. And I could convey total confidence, impress you with my posture, oratory skills, breadth of expansive vocabulary, as I poetically explain to you how I systematically spearheaded a new category of ministry, piloted a world-changing venture, revitalized, modernized, optimized my organization to a paragon of innovative transformation. You might say that guy's strong, I'm impressed, but there is a real problem. Impressing you is not the same as connecting with you. There's a big, big difference. As a leader, to really move you, to stir you, to inspire you, to stretch your faith to believe that you can do more and to make a bigger difference. I cannot just communicate to your head. I have to connect with your heart. And that's why I'm incredibly excited to talk to you about this talk. I call it Heart Overhead, The Power of Emotions in Leadership. The Power of Emotions in leadership. Now, let me acknowledge what some of you might be thinking right now. Some of you are probably thinking, the best leaders don't let emotions interfere with business. You might be thinking, emotional leaders are weak leaders. Emotions get in the way of difficult decisions. I would submit to you that emotions are not only relevant and important, but emotions are the catalyst to change and growth. In fact, if you're taking notes, you may jot this down. The fastest way to change someone's mind is to connect with their heart. The fastest way to move someone in action is not just to speak to their head, but to move their heart with emotion. Now, here's what I know about all of you as leaders. If you step into a meeting, if you're gonna do some type of presentation, in your mind, either intentionally or intuitively, you're gonna to wanna to communicate a couple of things. You're gonna to wanna to communicate information that leads to action. How many of you want action in your organizations? Raise your hand if you want some action. You intuitively or intentionally will try to communicate information that leads to action you will think and you will do some form of this. You will think, here's what I want the people to know, that's information, and here's what I want people to do, that's the action. Know and do, know and do. Before you leave the meeting, what do we want them to know and what do we want them to do? The problem is that knowledge alone rarely leads to action. I can prove it to you. You can know that you're 20 pounds overweight, 
and all you do is eat another donut. You do nothing about it even though you know. You can know that sales are down in your organization by 4% and yet no one's changing their behavior. You have a knowledge, but it hasn't led to action. You can know that your church ministry has declined for the third year in a row, but you're not changing anything because bless God, this is the way we did church in 1820 and we're gonna do it the same way today. You can know it, but knowledge alone does not lead to action. The difference between knowledge and emotion is this. Knowledge leads to conclusions while emotion leads to actions. So important. You walk into a meeting, you're gonna do a presentation. You're gonna try to get someone to buy your product. You're gonna try to get investors to invest in your organization. Instead of simply walking in saying, this is what I want you to know, and this is what I want you to do, you as a leader are gonna add an element that's gonna increase your effectiveness. You're gonna ask, what do I want them to know? What do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? Do not forget the emotion. The key to movement is in the emotion. What do I want them to know? You can know that you're 20 pounds overweight, but when you feel the reality that your health could be compromised if you don't make a change, when you do feel that reality, that will get you to move. If you know that sales are down 4% and you feel the impact on your bonus that you may not get, suddenly, baby, you're motivated to get the sales up. If your church has declined for the third year and you recognize you might lose your pastor if you don't turn things around, or more importantly, people's eternal destination might be impacted, when you truly feel that, that might move you to have the courage not to change the message, but to change the method in how we actually try to reach people. What do we want them to know, feel, and do? So important in leadership. Knowledge leads to conclusions while emotions lead to actions. So, as leaders, how do we create the emotion that moves people to action? How do we harness the power of emotions to motivate and inspire people to fulfill the mission? We're gonna look very practically at three things. And the great news is you can do this anywhere. You can do this in your seventh grade class. If you're the leader of your seventh grade class, you can do this in your startup tech business. You can do this in your nonprofit. These three tools can help you move the needle emotionally in your leaders so you can accomplish more. How do we do it? Number one, we're going to share stories purposefully. We're gonna share stories purposefully. In fact, Jennifer Aker is the marketing professor at Stanford and she did a little research. She asked all of her students to do a one minute pitch and studied the results. One in 10 of all of her students told a story. One in 10 told a story. Asked to recall the pitches, only 5% could recite some statistic that was said in that amount of time but 63% could remember a story in great detail. 
Why? Because stories stick, but facts fade. Let me say it again. Stories stick, but facts fade. In fact, could I see these little props for just a moment to try to help illustrate this? Um, Whenever you're talking to people, whenever you're casting vision, people are processing what you say with one of two different processors in their brain. For example, as I'm going through this talk, you will hear this in one of two different ways and all day long, you've got one of two different processors that are working. There is first of all, the emotional processor. The emotional processor is automatic and unconscious. You never have to get this one worked up. It gets worked up on its own. There's also the logical processor. The logical processor is controlled, it's conscious, it functions much, much slower. The logical processor, it takes more fuel, more focus. It gets easily depleted. That's why when you use this one at work all day long, it gets worn out, it gets tired, and when you come home, the emotional one says, let's get into a fight. (laughs) This one's worn out and this one's ready to get it going. The emotional processor, this one is the default. This one jumps up whenever we're not sure what to do. This one, is never ever rational. The logical processor, it compensates for the emotional one by rationalizing for the emotional side's irresponsibility. For example, if this one says, eat the whole thing, the logical side compensates by rationalizing and saying, well, you've worked really, really hard And besides, you had a salad last Tuesday, you might as well enjoy it all. Why am I telling you all this? When you use a story, you connect the heart of the emotions to the strength of the logic, igniting a powerful action. Let me say it again. You're connecting to the emotional processor. You're leveraging the strength of the logical processor and you're igniting movement that does create action. In fact, let me try to give you an example of this. And I wanna be really, really clear. What I am not here to do is to try to push my spiritual beliefs on anybody, but I'm never ever gonna hide them. My goal is not to try to convert you to believe uh, and be passionate about something that I'm passionate about. What I am gonna do is I'm gonna give you an illustration about something that I'm passionate about because this will hopefully help you understand. Let me give you an example. First, I'm gonna give you some statistics. Then I'm gonna tell you a story and then I'm going to show you a story. Let's start with the statistics and this is for an example. I don't know if you knew this, but there are about 1.5 billion people that don't have access to a Bible in their language. That's about 2,163 people groups, people groups who don't have a Bible they can read. 
I want you to know, this is something that I really want to do. I really wanna help people get the Bible. Are you with me? A couple of you are. Most of you probably aren't. I gave you some staggering statistics, but statistics don't create emotion. Let me tell you a story. Just that statement alone, if your mind was drifting, how much longer is this guy gonna go and when do we get out of here? Just that line alone for some of you brought you back into engagement because I said, let me tell you a story. And this is a very true story about me. Um, back when I went into college, I was really, really wild. Was anybody at any of our sites really, really wild in college days about that age, okay? I, I, you could kind of joke around and say like, if sinning was a major, I was majoring in sinning. <laughs> I was wild, party guy. How many of you know that sinning can be fun? Everybody, everywhere we are, raise your hands up. Raise, raise your hands up, like I'm not raising my hands. No, sinning can be fun, listen to me. If you don't think sinning's fun, either you didn't do it right, <laughs> or you're lying. I mean, it can be fun. Until it's not. Because it, it, it really will like, it, it will hurt you and hurt others. It's a little bit like sneezing, you know, sneezing. It feels really good when it comes out and then there's snot everywhere. That's kind of what it's like, it, it, it messes you up. And so I was, um, I don't know how to say this. I was, I was building my testimony. <laughs> and, and my sin caught up with me and I hurt a lot of people. And I started feeling guilty and afraid and ashamed. And I was a part of a fraternity that got in trouble. There were four guys that committed grand larceny and so they were gonna kick our fraternity off campus. And I was the leader of the fraternity. None of us were spiritual in any means whatsoever. And, but I said, partially as a public relations move, partially because I was very spiritually curious, I said, we're gonna start a Bible study. Now you can imagine like, you know, Hellraiser frat boy saying to other wild frat boys, we're gonna start a Bible study. They're like, what the bleep are you saying, Groshell? We ain't doing bleeping, bleep, 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 bleep Bible study. And I'm like, no, no, I promise you we're gonna do it. And like, it's gonna be on a Tuesday night and you're gonna go, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be bleeping great, you know? And so <laughs> Tuesday rolled around and I was walking into my, one of my business classes and I realized I didn't have a Bible. I'm gonna leave a Bible study, I don't have a Bible. So, I'm not gonna tell you that I prayed because I don't think I was that spiritual. I just kind of like thought in the direction of up. Like, like I don't have a Bible. If there's anybody that cares, I don't have a Bible. I walked into my economics class. I walked out of my economics class. I was walking across the campus and there was a gentleman in a suit and tie from an organization known as the Gideons who said, young man, would you like a free?
I sat down with seven non-spiritual guys. I tried to sound pastoral. I had been to church. I knew somewhat pastors say. I said, turn to the first book in your Bible. They all turned to Genesis, I turned to Matthew. <laughs> no wonder it's free, it's not all there. <laughs> and so, we just read the Bible and then we try to pray with emphasis on try. We didn't know how to pray. We prayed like, this is truthful. Like, God, you know, like, watch over us as we party tonight, God, keep us <laughs> safe, oh God. And we pray, Mitch, his girlfriend's not pregnant, God. You know, <laughs> we didn't know. I got so excited about what I was reading that I read ahead. I read all the way to Ephesians chapter two, and I read in Ephesians chapter two a principle that I never ever had comprehended before. I knew about Jesus, I knew the story, but I didn't know it personally. And I read in scripture that you could be saved, in other words, you could be made right with God, by the grace of God, not by works. And it's only through believing in Jesus that your sins could be forgiven and you would actually become new. So what I did without knowing anything was I went out into a softball field hating who I'd become, devastated by the people that I'd hurt embarrassed by my sin. And when I knelt down that day, I was one person. And I'm not trying to push this on anybody, but I'm telling you, when I prayed and when I stood up, I was, I was different. I was different. And there is a truth There is a truth in here that changed my life. When I tell you that I'm passionate about getting this truth into the hands of people around the world that do not have access to this truth in their heart language, I would hope that there would be some of you who would believe this is important and join me on this venture. Statistic. Story. And I might just show you, and maybe you'll feel, and what I want you to do is watch about a 37 second clip. I could show you longer, but it doesn't take long. 
And I want you to watch the emotion of the guy in the background who can't hold back the tears when he gets the Bible in his heart language for the very first time. and facts fade. No matter what you're leading, share stories purposefully. Help people engage in the mission behind what you do. This isn't just what we do, this is the why we do it. I think it was Simon Sinek said that people will work for a what, but they'll give their lives for a why. Create emotion. How do you do this as leaders? Share stories purposefully. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna choose words deliberately. Choose your words deliberately. Why? Because the words you choose determine the emotions that people feel. Let me say it again. The words that you choose determine the emotions that people feel. If you're describing something, you can say it was sad, or you can say it was heart-wrenching. You could say something hurts, or instead you could say it was agonizing. You might say it was amazing, which is a word that I overuse and underdelivers. or you could choose a stronger word to say it was remarkable, it was awe-inspiring, it was mind-blowing, it was epic. Choose your words deliberately. For example, how many of you in your organizations, you would have like vision and or values? Raise up your hands, raise up your hand. Vision and values, I hope you do, I hope you do, I hope you do. Visions drives us, values help create the culture. Let me help you understand some meaning behind the emotion of vision and values. Uh, vision and values should never be words on a wall. They should be burned on our hearts. If your vision doesn't inspire you, if your values don't stir you or move you, they're too dull, they're too small, and they're too safe. I'll illustrate the power of words creating emotions around values. For example, our church has some values. I'll give you five of them. Are you ready to be inspired? We value reaching people. We value faith. We value generosity. We value empowering people. We value serving. Who wants to move and be a part of our great church? Probably again, not many people. So what we did is we tried to put some emotion behind some words that would move people from ideas in their head to truths in their hearts that created action and life change by the way they would live. I'll illustrate it to you. Instead of saying we value reaching people, we say this, 
and we mean this. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. And to reach people no one's reaching, we'll have to do things no one's doing. A little bit of emotion perhaps if you have similar beliefs to me. Instead of saying we believe in faith, we say this, we are big thinking bet the farm risk takers. We will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. Generosity, we will demonstrate it. You will see it. The YouVersion Bible app, it is free on almost 400 million devices. Anything and everything we can give away, we will give away. Why? Because we truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. We will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it honors God. Emotion, empowering people. We say this, we don't recruit volunteers. We release leaders because volunteers do good things, but leaders change the world. We value serving, but we say it this way. We aren't spiritual consumers, we are spiritual contributors because we do not believe the church exists for us, but we are the church and we exist for the world. What we wanna do is we wanna use the power of words to create emotion to move people to action. Here's what I don't want you to say about your organization. Well, we want people to really believe in our organization. No, 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 listen to the words. We want people to feel a deep dwelling, furnace raging, white, hot, inspiration, drawing them out of the mundane into a sacrificial life of mission. Mom, would you please clap? Get this crowd going. Mom, you can do it. Please clap, mom. Don't just sit there. That's like really my mom and she hadn't clapped yet today. Come on, mom. Help me out. <laughs> so again, back to the Bible. Back to the Bible. Something I really hope to do is to get the Bible into their hands. Those words don't create much emotion. Or I could say it this way, mark my words. In my lifetime, we will be the generation that eradicates Bible poverty. Joining with forces and strategic leaders from around the world, by the year 2033, 99.9996% of people will have a New Testament in their heart language and they will have access to the same truth that changed my life. We want people to have a Bible, that's generic hope. Or we can make a prophetic promise. Carefully crafted statements that engage the heart and move people toward the mission. So what are we gonna do, leaders? We're gonna share stories purposefully. We're gonna choose our words deliberately. And number three, we're going to show vulnerability thoughtfully. We're gonna show vulnerability thoughtfully. And the reason I say thoughtfully is because you can do it irresponsibly. How many of you know someone who's ever overshared? Raise your hands, do not point at them right now. Don't elbow them, I'm trying to save your marriage right now. As we speak, if you walk into the office on Monday morning and you decide you're gonna be vulnerable and you say, you know what, I'm thinking about quitting, my depression medicine's not working and my hemorrhoids are flaring up. Listen, that's too much. Back off, hire a counselor. Do not do that to your staff. 
show vulnerability thoughtfully. Is it a mistake for me to tell you that I'm a little bit nervous? Maybe, or maybe not. And the truth of the matter is, I was really nervous. And I'm a little nervous because what I'm about to tell you takes some emotional vulnerability. Is it a mistake? Maybe or maybe not. I would say probably not, and here's why. Because we may impress people with our strengths, but we connect through our weaknesses. We may impress people when we look strong, but we connect in moments of vulnerability. You know this is true. You know that lady in your office that you hate because she's so perfect? I just hate Miss Perfect. She just walks in here. She never ever has a hair, bad hair day and she walks in, she's just kind of perfect. And then she comes in and she has a real problem. You say, ooh, I like her. She's just like me. <laughs> you connect through weakness. Think about the speakers that we've heard over the last couple of days. When the speakers are scripted with powerful good content, you're engaged. But the moment they slow down and the moment they open up, you're engaged on a whole nother level. When they talk about their weaknesses, their own self-doubts, their own struggles, suddenly your heart bonds with them and there's real power and real connection. Leaders, this is complicated, it feels risky, but it's so important. Show the people what's in your heart. Help them know who you are, what you value, where you're sometimes a little bit of afraid, where you need help having faith. Lead with vision, lead with boldness, lead with vulnerability. We had so many people in our um, kind of leadership circle ask about how do we do this. I did create two particular podcasts on this very subject. I'll give you kind of a shameless plug, but episode 51, is called Keeping It Real. How do you keep it real in leadership? Episode 53 is called How to Be Real and Not Be Weird. Both of these talk about how to be real transparent. The way I end the podcast is always something like this. What I always say is, listen leaders, don't feel pressure to know it all. You don't have to be perfect. People would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Emotions will connect you with the hearts of your people and you can lead them somewhere specifically. I wanna close out with this. Our church is 23 years of age. Between years 11 and 13, I didn't know if I could continue as the pastor. Darkest, scariest, most vulnerable time of my life. Here's what had happened. We had been one of the churches that had pioneered kind of the multi-site movement. And this was, we didn't have churches to learn from. We were on the front end of it. And we had outgrown our systems. We'd outgrown our ability to care for people. We'd outgrown our leadership pipeline. We were big, but we were weak and we were vulnerable. And I had some leaders that had been with me almost since the, the beginning. And these leaders didn't trust me the way they once had and I didn't like them or believe in them the way that I once had. And we were at each other's throats and it was ugly and the whole organization could feel it. We would have behind closed doors talks where 
We'd raise our voices, we'd go home, we wouldn't talk for days at a time. I would say, we're gonna do this in staff, and then they'd come behind and say, yeah, Groeschel said that, but here's what we're gonna do. And then they would try to initiate something, and I'd come in and kind of blow it all up, and it was so ugly. And on the inside, I was more depressed than I ever know how to describe. Some of you, you may know exactly what I'm talking about because you are there at this very moment. And here's what I felt. I've lost the church that I loved. I don't have the ability to get it back. I'm not capable. I'm probably not the right person for this job anymore. I don't have the words to describe the desperation I felt in my soul. I wanna quit. This is my life calling and I'm not good enough. I went to a conference. I spoke right before Marcus Buckingham, who will be at the Global Leadership Summit in 2020, one of my heroes, one of the greatest teachers around. I put my head down in my seat afterwards and couldn't hold back the tears because I felt like the biggest hypocrite. Who in the world am I to tell anyone how to do anything when I can't even lead my church in the right direction? And I just sobbed and sobbed and shook and sobbed. And then in that lowest moment, I heard something that wasn't audible. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. It seemed like a voice that was almost louder than audible. And I just wrote down what I heard. Quit whining, you're sharp, fix it. It was life. It was hope. I'm an old athlete, love a good coach. Get up in your business. This was like my coach. It was like my dad. It was like my heavenly father saying, quit whining. You're still the pastor. If I wanted someone else to be the pastor, they'd be the pastor. You're sharp. I, that was language that I needed. In other words, you're, you're still capable. You still have gifts. You're still in the role that you're supposed to be. Fix it. You're the pastor. You're called. You're chosen. You step into it and do what only you can do. And suddenly for the first time I had faith. And I went back to my other leaders who are still with me to this day, all of my executive leaders for over two decades, still together. That is something that I celebrate and I honor in these great leaders. And I told them, I'm sorry. I've been dysfunctional. I've created a toxic culture. I've been wrong. You've been disrespectful. And I told them, not in a harsh way, I started this without you and I can continue without you. I've named all of your replacements and I can pull that trigger or I can walk away. Neither plan seems good to me. We can all apologize. We can lock hands and be on the same side of the table. And if we can do this, we can lead this church out of this depression and we can do something great. And I'm telling you, Bobby Grumal's here and he was in that meeting. <laughs> 
30 minutes, we all changed. And we told the staff and everybody sighed with relief. And what had been stuck and stagnant came back to life. What do I want you to know? Leader, pastor, mom, dad, what I want you to know, you're capable, you're called, you're gifted, you are a masterpiece. What I want you to feel, inspired, driven, loved, celebrated. What I want you to do, do what leaders do. Step into your calling. Embrace your mission. If I could get at all of our locations, every leader just to stand to your feet, just every single leader around the world, would you stand to your feet? And I want to declare this over you. We started with this and I want you to feel this. Leaders, like never before, our world needs strong, consistent, bold, courageous, integrity-infused leaders. Feel the power of the words, feel the power. As leaders, we will lead with profound humility and furious resolve. We will cast a vision for a brighter future and we will inspire others to do more than they thought possible. We will strive for excellence, giving our best and demanding the best. We will confront injustices and right wrongs. We will have the courage to stand up when others back down. As leaders, we will get better because everyone wins. Everyone wins. In every nation, in every city, in every village, everyone wins when the leader gets better. Well, I hope that talk will give you some tools to lead not just from the head, but to lead with emotion, sincerity, authenticity, and integrity from the heart. And I promise you can make such a big difference in the lives of people when you lead from the heart. I wanna thank you sincerely for being a part of our leadership community and just remind you to subscribe or follow wherever you consume the content. Also, thank you for inviting others to be a part of our community. Again, the Global Leadership Summit is a very, very powerful event. It's one that changed my life and now I'm honored to help lead it. It's on August the 5th and the 6th, broadcasting live around the United States and then all throughout the year in hundreds of countries around the world. If you wanna be a part of the live event, go to globalleadership.org and again, the code is CGLP21. Investing in your leadership is always worth it because we know that you never get better by accident. So we're gonna intentionally grow in our leadership because everyone wins when the leader gets better.